PhD Futures Now, a podcast on collaboration, career diversity, and graduate education in the humanities. This podcast is a project of Humanities Without Walls, a 16-university consortium headquartered at the Humanities Research Institute at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign and funded by grants from the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. And welcome to a new episode of PhD Futures Now. I'm Deepthi Murali, the producer of PhD Futures Now podcast. In today's episode, Jason Merrick, Director of Operations, and Maggie Nettersheim Hoffman, Associate Director of Career Diversity at Humanities Without Walls Consortium, are speaking with our guest, Dr. Kintara Sufrant, Curator of Community Dialogue at Milwaukee Art Museum. Kintara is also an alumni of the HWW Career Diversity Predoctoral Fellowship Workshop, and she will talk to us about her experience transitioning from academia to a public humanities career in this episode. For more episodes on career diversity initiatives for humanities PhDs, please visit our website, www.phdfuturesnow.org. The, the question I get often from people when I try to talk about my job is what the humanities even are. So how do you define the humanities and why are they important in the 21st century? I'm not going to lie. When I saw that first question, I Googled it because I was like, do I even know what the humanities are? And then I was like, I can't I can't answer this with a Google question. So I'll say that um, with a Google answer. Um, for me... I'll start with the the final part of that question, which is that I think that the humanities continue to be under attack as we think about more prosperous careers that could be easily applied, like the engineering, the hard sciences, these careers that for me are really rooted in um, transactional approaches to making money and capitalism. And for me, the humanities are the thing that centers people and questions about people and life. And sometimes those questions aren't black and white. They are the shades of gray that I really love. So for me, performance studies is a really great example of the humanities because it's all thinking about um, human life as performance (laughs) and thinking about what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to perform? What does it mean to sort of act upon and be acted upon by the world and all of these um, social and natural and man-made forces like the law or race or gender or identity. Um, And those are the things that I think um, can always be answered or quantified. For me, the humanities is rooted in sort of qualitative methods of study and inquiry and the pursuit of a question that may have no fixed answer. So I want to hear more about performance studies. Oftentimes, you know, when people do think of the humanities, they oftentimes think of what we call the legacy humanities now, like Mm -hmm. English or history or uh, a non-English language, what we still call foreign (laughs) languages. I mean, as as succinctly as you can, uh, what is performance studies? I mean, how does that differ from, say, like a theater degree or something like that? 
That's a really good question. That's what I spend my whole dissertation trying to answer. So performance studies studies human behavior as performance. And it has its beginnings in theater and these techniques of theater. So observing um, the world as a stage, if you will, so that there are actors, there are scenes or scenarios and whatnot. But it combines, if you will, theater anthropology and ethnography, and that there are different ways in which people can approach their various questions um, and applications of performance. So um, at the time that we're recording, we're almost a week out of the assault in Atlanta that killed eight women of Asian ancestry. And for me, there's a way in which you can think about that as rooted in a performance of race gender and colonialism and legacies of violence against people of color, but specifically people of Asian ancestry. So that's the wide bandwidth in which you can think about performance. So me examining dance, but also me examining race and legacies of colonialism and U.S. imperialism. Yeah, I think you've implicitly addressed why it's important for the 21st century. And so I want to try to try to segue from that into a question about your your brand new um, job, your new position as the curator of community dialogue at the Milwaukee Art Museum. How do you see that degree in performance studies and your expertise connecting to the career that you've got now, this new position as curator of community dialogue? That is a really good question and thank you for asking it. I would say that when, and this is maybe why I was attracted to that inaugural HWW <laughs> symposium because, or gathering of people, because I knew within my second year of my PhD program that I didn't want a traditional academic career for a few reasons. One, I wasn't necessarily interested in sort of a publish or perish lifestyle. And two, I was always really interested in these places of dialogue um, and what it means for learning to happen beyond the classroom in these informal spaces and learning from my peers. And that might be, um, I want to say that that was really honed for me, the importance of these spaces for conversation, discourse, and engagement um, I think that's something that I was interested in in high school very much when I think about my extracurricular activities, but it was honed um, at Oberlin College in my work um, and also in my training as a mediator that happened through the Your Work with Bellachie Center for um, Dialogue um, and Conflict Resolution. So for me, um, in my second year and meeting with my advisor, telling my advisor, you know what, I think that I might be interested in public pedagogy and museums in particular, because I was also very much committed to the arts and the ways that the arts could be a platform for having these conversations and for archiving experiences and histories and how the arts act or perform on us, right? Um, influence our emotions and um, our engagement and how we see the world. So for me, the this job ends up being... If I sit about it and I think about it um, through the language of faith and hard work, I think that all of my experiences led me to feel like dialogue through a museum and a museum as a public space for engagement and community building and more importantly, creating cities that really honor and reflect the people who live in those cities. Um, that's from, That's, I think, the thing that 
ties it all together. Um, Just wondering if I could ask a question here. Um, I'm wondering, since this is a new position for you that the, at the Milwaukee Art Museum, if you could speak a little bit to what you think that this position means in a city like Milwaukee, which, as we know, is one of the most racially segregated, if not the most racially segregated city in the United States. So I will um, I will answer that through a, a bunch of arcs that I hope I can um, bring together. So the first is that this is a it's not only new to me, but it's new to the institution. Right. So I'm the inaugural curator of community dialogue, which um, is both amazing and like creates a lot of anxiety for me because I'm building it as I go. But I will, I think that for me as a person who identifies as Haitian American, broadly and politically black um, in terms of a global blackness um, that descends from the African continent and the politics of black people, I think this position is one where I want to be able to honor that Milwaukee is is and is often named as the most segregated city in America and the worst place for Black people. And on the flip side, to nuance that with the fact that I know lots of Black people living in Milwaukee. My husband is one of those people who live, laugh, raise children, have families, organize, make art, um, find joy and pleasure and pain in their lived experiences in the city. And I mentioned um, that flip side of a Black experience in Milwaukee, because for me, this position is really one that is rooted in thinking about the nuances in the city what it means for an art museum to be reflective of those nuances and honor those nuances and have the capacity to be a flexible, responsible partner that is able to honor the humanities and the richness of people's experiences um, and to not create a singular narrative about our city. And I will say that um, I think this position demonstrates the museum's institutional commitment um, to centering race and class and audiences who are who have historically been seen as other in museum spaces. So black, brown, low income, indigenous, BIPOC broadly defined. Um, and I would say that it is part of a larger shift that's happening in museums across the US. And I would also say across the globe to rethink who their audiences are and to be accountable to that. Some of it is posturing and sort of Black Lives Matter light and adjacent. Um, and I think that the museum, the Milwaukee Art Museum at least, has been working for a few years now to figure out how to undo the imperious legacies and the harm that it's done in our city. And I think this position is one of the ways that it's trying to reckon with its history. Well, I was going to ask, um, you mentioned the, I think you said rotating door and that's opposed to a revolving door. Let's get that out of the way because revolving doors are bad things in politics and business, but rotating door. Before this position at the uh, Milwaukee Art Museum, you were an assistant professor at Illinois State. And before that, you were at the Milwaukee Art Museum as the manager of school and teacher programs. So I'm thinking about that rotating door that you mentioned between communities. And I'm wondering, it's like there's also, 
you've discovered a rotating door in what is normally seen as a wall between the academy and the larger world. And so with that in mind, um, do you feel like you use your PhD in your current position? And if so, um, what ways that are similar with how you use it when you were teaching at Illinois State and and, and in what ways are, that are different? I, um, I actually, I have to bring it back to the HWW workshops because I think the workshops were the opportunity where I got to really assess and slow down and process what earning a PhD or working towards a PhD allows you to do. So if it hadn't been for those workshops, I wouldn't be able to answer this question, Jason. And my answer to the question is, I think that I'm able to apply my PhD when I'm able to think about research in a, in a wider capacity, right? And I'm able to think about, all right, I'm interested in community dialogue and there's a lot of people in the city who I want to meet. How do I start researching that? But not only that, like how do I do this research alongside of thinking about like a history of our city, right? So thinking about thinking about research and how I research my work, thinking about time management because it always it continues to be a thing, right? Especially in a new position. Um, but also one of the things that I learned, and this is especially a true, I believe, in a, a department that is so new, like performance studies and requires translation across multiple disciplines, even within the humanities. Um, I think that I'm always writing and aware of who my audience is, um, and not in a way that is about being condescending, but in a way that's about being truly inclusive and um, being able to share my message in multiple ways and with multiple, like being able to answer the so what in a variety of spaces, right? From like board of trustees to my senior leadership team, to my colleagues, to organizations that I want to partner with, but who might be like, why should I work with the Milwaukee Art Museum, right? So I think the ability to speak to multiple audiences and to write broadly defined to multiple audiences is something that I use with my PhD. I will also say that the reason why I was drawn to the Milwaukee Art Museum in the first place is because it has one of the largest and oldest Haitian art collections in the U.S. Um, and outside of Haiti. So for me, it's a way of directly being able to apply my research on Haitian art and performance and diaspora to the to the work that I'm doing um, and in my future plans to work with that collection and to, to curate. Um, so I would say I use my PhD research skills all the time in a variety of ways. I ask this question semi-tongue-in-cheek, but only semi-tongue-in-cheek. Does the fact that you have a performance studies PhD, um, do you think that gives you additional strengths in being able to relate to different audiences since there is an element of seeing the performative nature of these? Or do you think that's something that PhD students in any humanistic discipline can learn to do? Sometimes I wonder if my superpowers are my own or my disciplines or just the humanities. And I will say that I think um, I think that having I think that having 
the training and performance studies fundamentally allows me to see power in the different ways that power is enacted. Um, whether or not it's in a meeting, whether or not it's in a title, whether or not it's within like cultural institutions that maybe have a lot of cultural clout or social clout, right? But maybe not the finances to support all of the endeavors that they want to be doing. So I think that my PhD allows me to be discerning and to sit back and to question or just like watch what is happening and to be able to interpret it in real time um, and sometimes even later so that I can go back and make connections. Um, And then I, yeah, so I think that's what the performance studies PhD allows me. Ironically, um, I left the museum because I wanted to go back into academia because I thought that I would have more autonomy in academia. I was really burnt out by the nonprofit industrial complex and museums in particular. And I just felt like in the position that I had as a manager in school and teacher programs, I could only do so much to ensure that people who look like me, who identified as black and brown and or first generation and low income um, would feel welcomed, right? If I wasn't there. Um, And I just, I was carrying a lot of weight being one of the few BIPOC people on our staff who were not frontline workers. And so when I went back into academia, I ended up going into a formal or a legacy humanities discipline, art history, which I think allowed me to be, I allowed my work on paper to be a little bit more intelligible to people in museums, right? Um, But I'd say that that's another reason why coming back was so important to me, because now I would have the institutional capacity and the leverage to ensure that regardless of who was coming to the museum, um, that they would feel a sense of comfort and safety in the institution. And I think it continues to be my performance studies PhD that allows me to, and just my drive and my values that allows me to assess that um, through the language of power and spaces and safety. What advice would you give uh, to graduate students who are interested in developing a similar type of career path? But since the career path you've got is kind of unique. I I would rephrase my original question and say, what advice would you provide to graduate students who are interested in developing that rotating door or that community facing or whichever aspect it is of the career that you've got that incorporates your academic background as well as these career directions, directives, motivations, et cetera, that might be other than the standard tenure track? I um, I have two gifts that I've carried with me as part of my um, tool bag um, that I think are important for thinking about careers. So the first was gifted to me Um, in a class that I took at NYU where I got my master's in performance studies. And it was with, the class was led by Anna DeVere Smith, um, noted performer, scholar. And she was talking about some speaker who talked about the pursuit of the research question. And I remember like putting that in my back pocket, the pursuit of a research question, like what's something that I really want to answer? Um, So I'll put that on the shelf and say that the next thing that became uh, a tool in my toolbox was when I first entered Northwestern and 
there was um, a scholar, elder friend of mine, Celia Wise Bambara, who's a dancer and performer and had her performance art space and had a PhD as well. And she told me the institution doesn't own your soul. And these two things, the pursuit of the research question, the institution doesn't own your soul, became these parallel tracks for one, realizing that yes, I'm at Northwestern, yes, I'm pursuing this PhD, but that doesn't necessarily mean that my whole life has to be caught up in this PhD. Um, And it meant that I had other questions and interests that I was pursuing alongside being a student. And if anything, I was leveraging the resources and the time that I had as a student to support those questions. So it included like connecting with So rather than going to storytelling mode, which is what I'm doing right now, I will synthesize that by saying, honor all the questions that come to you, even if those questions don't seem directly related to your academic research interests, because I think it's in the pursuit of those other questions. Like for me, thinking about how the Haitian community in Chicago was wildly different than the Haitian community that I grew up with on the East Coast. Um, And they also like they had this way of performing blackness and Haitianness that I found so fascinating. And like the performance that he's scholar in me was like, oh, I wonder how much of this is rooted in redlining and Chicago's segregationist history, right? Like how much of that allows like a Haitian community to have to reckon with and talk about like what it means to be black and to name that identity. So that allowed me to think about, well, why don't people talk about this anymore? Like where's the research on like Haitians in the Midwest? And not only like the research, but the the research that's looking at Haitian artists and performers and community community members and organizers, like how do we how do we do this? So that led to getting funds to host a symposium that is not part of my dissertation, but it was part of leveraging my resources to pursue a question that was filling my soul, right? And not necessarily tied to my academic pursuits. Um, and that symposium led to the person who became my future boss and who later like drafted this um, description for my new position coming to the museum because of these contacts. Um, and that led to me cultivating skills and grant writing and building a team and like moving from vision to actual material event. Um, I would say that my ultimate career advice then becomes live in the in-between between the university or the institution not owning your soul and the pursuit of the research question, because that I think is the space of freedom and fun and play. And those are the spaces where you cultivate all of the skills that then lead you to this career that you could never have imagined. One of the things that we're really seeking to do with this iteration of Humanities Without Walls, it, the students seem to use my favorite word, they grok that there's a problem in in the existing job market and in the way that graduate students are trained for the existing job market. What advice would you give to the faculty right now who would like more information about how they advise these students for careers they themselves really haven't been trained to advise for? careers outside of the academy, if you had advice at all, and it can be completely impromptu, what would, you know, what would that advice be? Stop holding on to your antiquated ways of doing things. We're all clapping, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Um, and I, I don't, I don't think that's everyone, but I think those legacy departments, and I say this specifically because a few weeks ago, I did an informational interview with someone who's a PhD student in history and she, or I should say they were not getting any departmental support for thinking beyond a traditional tenure track position, which feels so limiting and also like a setup (laughs) for people, um, to feel one as though they are not worthy or successful if they don't land a tenure track job. But two, like there's a variety of enriching careers that you can have outside of academia and you will be okay. Trust me. Um, So I feel like um, if you're looking for a place to start, because I understand that me saying stop um, doing, stop holding on to the antiquated ways that you've been doing things may not be helpful for you. Um, If you're looking for a place to start, I would start by just, what are your alums doing? Check in with the ones who aren't in academia. Bring them back so that if you need to have a conversation, and that's one of the things that Performance Studies was always doing, because I think that Performance Studies at Northwestern was highly aware that we're a new discipline and we're not necessarily legible or intelligible to people outside of the field. So they brought in alums all the time. So I felt like I was always getting that um post-humanities training and professional development. So I would say start with your alums to see what they're doing. Um, Open up your ideas of what success could look like. And then connect with area partners and organizations like HWW who are leading these conversations and see how you can tap into that network. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Cantera. It has been so awesome to see you, even if only on a screen. Yes. Um, and after six years, it really has been great to see you and catch up. I am so excited about your new position at what is probably the most beautiful art museum I've ever been to, which doesn't say much. I've only been to like four art museums, but still, <laughs> the Palatrava architecture is incredible. It is. Thank you all for having me. I love HWW, and I literally talk about you all at least once a month with someone. So thank you for being such a resource and all the work that you're doing. We're glad to be here. PhD Futures Now podcast is now available on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else that you listen to your podcast. For full audio transcript for this episode and other episodes, please visit our website at www.phdfuturesnow.org. In our next episode, we will be talking to Dr. Derek Attic, Assistant Dean for Career and Professional Development at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Derek will talk to us about non-academic careers for humanities PhDs in higher education. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please stay safe until we see you in the next one.